Chapter 37 of The Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter 37 A Messenger. Alice had not gone far when she was seized with a great shivering. The immediate process, by which from high hysterical tension, nature brings down the nerves again to their accustomed tone. The air was soft and still, and the faint gray of morning was already changing the darkness into its peculiar twilight. "'You'll be better presently, dear,' said the old woman." with unaccustomed kindness. There, there. You'll be nothing the worst when A's done, and you'll have a cup of tea when you come back. Under the great old trees near the ivied wall, which screens the court, is a stone bench, and on this old Mildred was constrained to place her. There, there, there. Rest a bit, rest a little bit. Hi, crying. Well, cry if ye will, but ye'll hae more to thank God than to cry for, if all be as I guess. Alice cried on with convulsive sobs, starting every now and then with a wild glance toward the yard gate and grasping the old woman's arm. In a very few minutes this paroxysm subsided, and she wept quietly. "'Twas you, Mom, that cried out. "'I take it, eh? Frightened, mayhap? "'I was, yes. I, I'll wait a little and tell you by and by. "'Horribly, horribly. "'You needn't be afeard here, and me beside ye, Mom. "'And daylight a-comin', and I think I could gi'e ye a sharp guess at the matter. "'Ye saw her ladyship, I do suppose.' The old sogger, mum, I there's a sight might frighten a body, like a spirit almost. A great white-faced blind devil. Who is she? How did she come? She tried to kill me. Oh, Mrs. Tarnley, I'm so terrified. And with these words, Alice began to cry and tremble afresh. Hey! Trying to kill ye, did she? I'm glad o' that, right glad o't. Twill rid us o' trouble, ma'am. But la, think o' that. And did she actually raise her hand to you? Oh, yes, Mrs. Tarley, frightful. I'm saved by a miracle. I don't know how, the mercy of God only. She was clinging to Mrs. Tarley with a fast and trembling grasp. Zooks, the lass is frightened. Ye has seen sights tonight, young lady, ye'll remember. Young folk loves pleasure and the world and themselves, or well to trouble their heads about death or judgment, if the Lord in his mercy didn't shake em up from their dreams and their sins. Awake thou that sleepest, says the word, calling loud in a drunken ear. At dead o' night, we the house all round a fire, as the parson says. He's a good man, though I may have seen better in old days in Carwell pulpit. So tis all for good 
and in place o crying you should be praising god for startling ye out o your carnal sleep and making ye think o him and see yourself as ye are and not according to the flatteries o your husband and your own vanity ye'll pardon me but truth is truth and god's truth first of all and who'll tell it ye if them as within hearin won't open their lips and i don't see that mr charles troubles his head much about the matter he is so noble and always my guardian angel oh mrs tarnley to-night i must have perished if it had not been for him he is always my best friend and so unselfish and noble well that's good said mildred tarnley coldly but i'm thinking something ought to be done we the catamountain in there and strike while the iron's hot and they'll never drive home that nail ye'll find more like to go off when all's done we hear pocket full of money tis a sin while so many an honest soul wants and i'll take that just into my own old hands i'm thinking and sarve her out as she would better women isn't she mad mrs tarnley asked alice and if she's mad to the madhouse we her and if she's not where's the gallows high enough for her the dangerous harridan for one way or t'other the fiend's in her and the sooner judgment overtakes her and she's in her coffin the sooner the devil's laid and the better for honest folk if she is mad it accounts for everything but i feel as if i never could enter that house again and oh mrs tarnley you mustn't leave me oh heavens what's that it was no great matter mrs tarnley had got up for the yard door had opened and some one passed out and looked round it was the girl lily dogger who stood there looking about her under the canopy of tall trees hoot mum tis only the child lily dogger and well pleased i am for i was thinking this minute how i could get her to me quietly here lily come here ye goose-cap do you see me so closing the door behind her the girl approached with eyes wide open and a wonderfully solemn countenance she had been roused and scared by the sounds which had alarmed the house huddled on her clothes and seeing mrs tarnley's figure cross the window had followed in a tremor mrs tarnley walked a few steps towards her and beckoning with her lean finger the girl drew near ye'll have to go over cressley common girl to wickford ye know wickford yes please em well ye must go through the village and call up mark topham ye know mark topham's house with the green door by the bridge end yes please mrs tarnley mum and say he'll be wanted down here at the grange for murder mind and go ye unto mr rodney at t'other side of the river squire rodney of rydell ye know that house too yes m said the girl with eyes momentarily descending and face of blanker consternation and ye'll tell mr rodney there's been bad work down here and murder all but done and say ye've told mark topham the constable and that it is hoped he'll come over himself to make out the writins 
and sent away the prisoner as should go. We being chiefly women here, and having to keep Tom Clinton at home to mind the prisoner, ye understand, and keep all safe, having little other protection. Now run in, lass, and clap your bonnet on, and away we ye, and get ye there as fast as your legs will carry ye, and take your time coming back, and ye may get a lift, for they'll not be walkin', and you're like to get a bit of breakfast down at Rydell. But if ye shouldn't, here's tuppence, and buy yourself a good bit of bread in the town. Now ye understand? Yes, am please. And ye'll not be making mistakes, mind? No, mum. Then do as I bid ye, and off ye go, said Mrs. Tarnley, dispatching her with a peremptory gesture. So with a quaking heart, not knowing what dangers might still be lurking there, Lily Dogger ran into the yard on her way to her bonnet and peeped through the kitchen window, but saw nothing there in the pale gray light but still life. With a timid finger, she lifted the latch and stole into the familiar passage as if she were exploring a haunted house. She had quaked in her bed as thin and far away the shrill sounds of terror had penetrated through walls and passages to her bedroom. She had murmured, Lord bless us, at intervals, and listened, chilled with the sense of danger associated in her imagination with the stranger who had visited her room and frightened away her slumbers. And she had jumped out of bed and thrown on her clothes in panic, and blessed herself, and pinned and tied strings, and listened and blessed herself again, and seeing Mrs. Tarnley cross the window, accompanied by someone else, whom she did not then recognize, and fearing to remain thus deserted in the house more than the risk of being blown up by Mrs. Tarnley, she had followed that grim protectress. Now, as on tiptoe, she recrossed the kitchen with her straw bonnet in her hand. She heard of a sudden cries of fury, and words, as doors opened and shut, reached her that excited her horror and piqued her curiosity. She hastened, however, to leave the house, and again approached and passed by the lady and Mildred Tarnley, having tied her bonnet under her chin, and obeying Mildred's impatient beckon and run lass run stir your stumps will ye she started at a pace that promised soon to see her across cressley common old mildred saw this with comfort she knew that broad-shouldered brown-eyed lass for a shrewd and accurate messenger and seeing how dangerous and complicated things were growing she was glad that fortune had opened so short and sharp a way of getting rid of that troubler of their peace. Come in, mum, ye'll catch your death a cold here. All's quiet by this time, and I'll make the kitchen safe against the world. And Mr. Charles is in the house, and Tom Clinton up and all safe. And who cares a rush for that blind old cat? Not I, for one. She'll come no nonsense over Mildred Tarnley in her own kitchen while there's a poker to wrap her o'er the pate. Hoot! One old blind limer. I tackle six of her sort, old as I am, and tumble them one after t'other into the brawl. Never ye trouble your head about that, mum, and I'll bolt the door on the passage 
and the scullery door likewise, and lock em if ye like. And we'll get down old Dulcibella to sit wi' ye, and ye'll be a deal less like to see that beast in the kitchen than here. There's Miss Crane, by which title she indicated old Dulcibella, looking out of her window. Oh, Miss Crane, will ye please, Miss Crane, come down and stay a bit wi' ye, mistress. Thank God, is she down there? exclaimed she. Come down, ma'am, please. She's quite well, and she'll be glad to see ye. Old Dulcibella's head disappeared from the window promptly. Now, ma'am, she'll be down, and when she comes, for ye'd like to hay someone by ye, I'll go in and make the kitchen door fast. And won't ye search it well, Mrs. Tarnley, and the inner room, that we may be certain no one is hid there? Pray do. May I rely on you? Won't you promise? There's nothing there, that I promise ye. But, oh, pray do, urged Alice. I will, ma'am, just to quiet ye. Ye need not fear. I leave her no chance. And she'll soon be safe enough, she shall. Safe enough when she gets on her doublet of stone. And don't ye be frightened yourself for nothing. Just keep yourself quiet, for there's nothing to fear. And if ye will keep yourself in a fever for nothing, ye'll be just making food for worms. Mark my words. As she spoke, old Dulcibella appeared and with a face of deep concern waddled as fast as she could toward her young mistress, raising her hands and eyes from time to time as she approached. As she drew nearer she made a solemn thanksgiving, and, oh, my child, my child, thank God you're well. I was a-most ready to drop in a swoon when I came into your room just now. Everything knocked topsy-turvy, and a door cut in the wall, and all in a litter. I couldn't know where I was, and somewhat a-bleedin' all across the floor, and one of the big green-handled knives on the floor. Lord a mercy on us, with the blade bent and blood about it. I never was so frightened. I thought my senses was a-leavin' me, and I couldn't tell what I might see next, and I ready to drop down on the floor with fright. My darling child, my precious, Lord love it, and here it was barefooted, and but half clad, and come in ye must, dear. Tis enough to kill ye. I can scarcely remember anything, Dulcibella, only one thing. Oh, I'm so terrified. Come in, darling, you'll lose your life if you stay here as you are. And what was it, dear? And who did you see? A woman, that dreadful blind woman, who came in at the new door. I never saw her before. Well, dear, oh, Miss Alice, darling, I couldn't have believed. And thank God you're safe after all. That she, I heard, a screeching as strong as a dozen, and frightful words as well as I could hear, to come from any woman's lips. Lord, help us. Where is she now? Somewhere in the front of the house, darling, screeching and laughing, I thought, but heaven only knows. She's mad, Mrs. Tarnley says, and Mr. Fairfield said so, too. 
master charles is come my darling rye oh dulcibella how grateful i should be what could i have done if he hadn't so dulcibella persuaded her to come into the yard and so through the scullery door at which mildred stood having secured all other access to the kitchen so in she came awfully frightened to find herself again in the house but was not her husband there and help at hand and the doors secured end of chapter thirty seven recording by john brandon